Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 485, and today we'll be talking about the hits from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So this was a... I, I, I didn't lie, I, I said that we were getting well into the story stuff, and um, we, we end with the reveal that the rascals are waiting up. I mean, we saw how crucial they were on those earliest days of the island. I think this is big news. It is easily the most uh, story <laughs> or, well, lore-driven episode, I, I, I feel. Like, the direction of this is way different than some of the other ways we've peeked into the history of the island or had sort of narratives that spanned over multiple episodes. This was less Summer Camp Island and more Adventure Time, Steven Universe, like we're doing a a plot episode where we're recognizing that there are some things that we've built up in the lore and now we need to act on them. So it feels like a very functional episode. <laughs> and yet at the same time, yes. <laughs> at the same this time, this episode is all about Oscar's barber binge. And that is the critical element, isn't it? It's a uh, it, it carries forward the lore, but it is completely overtaken <laughs> by Oscar really having this um emotional problem with having his work, you know, at, at first you think, "Oh, well, it, it's about the fact that he needs to hide what he did. It needs to be a secret. But very quickly, the problem is actually that his work's being criticized and he can't (laughs) take it. What's terrible for him is that by the end, that's not really resolved. Uh, Barb and and, uh, King, they are really just, they don't care. They don't care about resolving that at all with Oscar. They just kind of ignore his blow up and they care more about dealing with the rascals. But uh, yeah, poor Oscar. (laughs) Poor boy. That was a beautiful wig, though. The diamond looks like something else entirely. (laughs) At least he did get a compliment. Even if it wasn't directed at him. Yeah, he didn't get attributed, but whatever. Uh, Did you think that his barbershop quartet and space opera were so bad? The barbershop quartet was great. The the rock opera? Eh, pretty middling. And I do want to know, how do you make a rock opera about a barber? I mean, obviously you can, but, like, I need to hear more songs from this opera to properly judge it. You know what I'm saying? I I hear you, but I I do want to remind you that it's actually not just about a barber. It's the greatest barber in the world, so... Galaxy, even. That should be more compelling. I mean, you would think that, but, I mean, (laughs) with a mustache like that, I mean, if if we're talking the greatest barber in the galaxy, we're going to need a mustache at least three times that size. (laughs) At least three. Yeah, you know, Oscar's trying new things out. At least he has Hedgehog, who's very supportive, and she seems somewhat genuine in her support. She'd pay $50 for that rock opera, (laughs) and then he blows up that she shouldn't have to. That was the best, most random. Yes, I love the specific, like, this is adult humor, in my opinion. This is actual adult humor. In a children's cartoon, yeah, right? Uh, like, <laughs> Adult Swim, take note. Yes, like when you want to add adult humor, complain about the fact that a, a theater, a theatrical performance has to be entertaining enough to be worth both the parking cost and the babysitting. So, <laughs> And it was just glorious that he completely missed the point of what she was saying because, you know, he's on this, you know, he's really into theater. This is not 
the first time he's thought uh, of dabbling in musical theater. Um, Remember more ups and downs from way back in Space Invasion, where he has a whole lot of acts about the invention of the yo-yo. Something else I guess he was very passionate about at one point. (laughs) Very true. Oscar really does, does go deep in his passion, if not in his expertise. I will say, though, his haircuts were, I mean, they were pretty well executed for what they were. Yeah, the ones on the bears were pretty rad. Yeah, I mean, is it fair to say that they were goofy? Is is Barb mm. being unintentionally critical? They're definitely not haircuts that somebody who just wants to, you know, blend into the crowd would get. These are more for your brave folks who have a style and they know what they want. Yes, and I, I feel like Oscar should take some pride in that. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't know. I think if you're getting a trim on a whim, you probably <laughs> wouldn't want something so daring. He needs to work on his branding. Right, That it feels a little bit like tattoo on a whim. I, I think, don't think he realizes the impact <laughs> that a very different haircut could have. Yep, yep. And I, I don't know if this was an intentional bit of continuity or not. I give... Summer Camp Island, a lot of grief for the gratuitous retcons that it engages in, but I do really enjoy that the the Ferns did not receive haircuts from him, because I, I like to imagine that this is because they still remember, after all this time, the uh, unwilling haircuts that they received from the Spotted Bears back in the uh, episode in which they were introduced. It does seem like a little bit of through line, just in the fact that haircuts are even brought up again. So I'm going to say a definite maybe that it was intentional. You know, while while I can ascribe meaning to that, what confuses me is uh, when, at the very beginning, when the king shows up and he's like, okay, let's hear it. And then Barb goes through this whole thing of saying her dog has fleas. And then I think she corrects herself. She meant to say fees or something. What What was the point of all that? I don't get the joke. Um, do I know? I'm not sure I know. So that's a mystery. I think we're both lost. I mean, I I get the mini joke, you know, the fleas would be a perfectly normal thing for her to say, but, you know, then uh, something else that she doesn't like is what she actually meant to say. What I don't understand is, why did we spend this time on this? I mean, no, yeah, it's just nonsense for the sake of nonsense (laughs) i mean watching it again i think i can kind of come up with uh with an explanation for how this fits i I just don't think that they call attention to it very hard at the end she's complaining my body's all out of whack so maybe maybe this is a thing that they just do that she uses her body to try to try to say something and you know the more out of whack she is the more they need to worry so she tries to say something he tries to understand her and since he can't understand her, yeah, maybe we should go check. Right. Well, there is something to also the fact that her bones are tuned to a piano. That's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you She know, they lives just... in the sound house, you know? Yeah, no, but it she just does... comes with the territory. That's the thing, though. She's kind of like uh, people feel, say they feel weather in their bones. Like these to understand the harmony of the island. And if her creaky bones aren't in tune with the piano, then that indicates that there's something afoot. 
So maybe I was just being dense and not getting that before. I'll give him that. Yeah, I think it's, it's not too deep. Uh, now, what else I don't understand? So these are the hits, right? They, they, they think yeah. something is off. And, you know, some of the lists of who they check on make sense. But honestly, I'm not actually sure why we check on two out of the four. Um, the Rascals, yeah, we don't want them to wake up because, you know, they're mean. They're bad. They're going to screw stuff up. Uh, checking on the, the, the diamond, it, you know, doesn't need to be looking green or cracked or anything. So, yeah, we need to check and make sure it's still emanating magic appropriately. So why do, I mean, if the bears are awake, is that a problem? And... Yes, yes. The, when the bears wake up, well, okay. In the original, uh, introduction for them, the bears being up was a problem because they are there to defend the island from an attack, and if there is no attack, they will make one. Okay. Uh, remember, we saw how rough they were back when there was uh, nothing else for them to do. Okay, so they caused trouble with idle hands. Yep. The ferns, I mean, if they were dead, that's sad, but what balance do they bring? Maybe they're the first life on the island? I don't know what significance they have, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one was the most mysterious. I mean, it, it could have just been random just to have the barbershop quartet, but... All four of these things that they check on as the hits are things from the Barb and the Spotted Bears episodes. So, you know, there's there's that through line. Although, again, why, uh, why in-universe they would care about the ferns, we can only make guesses. Yeah, I, I guess original life is going to be as close as it gets. It's funny because that Spotted Bears episode doesn't feel all that deep. And uh, honestly, when we get to the rascals again it's really hard to figure out exactly how nefarious they are like i feel when they were first introduced i thought they were oh really nefarious and then not so much (laughs) we will get to it when the when they finally make their appearance in the in this final season of summer camp island but ooh, i had such high hopes for them it's a little disappointing Unlike their hairdo, which look at Oscar. At least the at least the striped horse was uh, rocking something pretty nice. The bearded sheep over there on the right, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting that they put in something that looked like a big bad, an ultimate big bad, and doesn't really turn out that way. But whatever. Uh, so it's it's fun to at least check in on them, and you, you feel a little bit of that energy, like uh oh. What would happen if they wake up again? Honestly, it'd be cool if, in an Adventure Time kind of timescale, if this episode had happened, like, a long time ago. Like, if we had checked on these guys (laughs) before we even really knew who they were. But it's fine. Yeah, they would do that, (laughs) wouldn't they? It does feel like the kind of thing that they could have done. Now, I don't want to discuss this episode and not mention that we do get a conversation between Susie and Ramona, and I just... I love Susie tells the story about the chick who wears the scarf around her neck and then takes it off and her head falls off. So that's why I decided to wear this scarf, this awesome looking scarf to cover up my tornado. And Ramona's like, that's what you got out of that story? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, way to miss the point, Susie. Susie is perfectly Susie. That interaction's cute. Uh, it's cute that the little fish appears as a mustache for Ramona that <laughs> yes. she can't see. But poor Ramona is trying so hard to be the adult in the relationship, even though Susie is hundreds of years older than her. Susie is forever 15, and uh, Ramona has 
aged not just physically, but emotionally as well. So that is a major advantage Ramona has over Susie. Uh, Susie is 15, and she acts like it. It's like, ooh, great fashion tip. I like it. <laughs> yeah, not one much for parables or metaphors. Nope, they, they fly right over her head. You have to be very, very literal with Susie. <laughs> ooh, but... Ugh, Oscar's barber binge. I, I'll tell you what I was sitting down and I was thinking, and you know what this reminded me of? No. This reminded me of an episode of uh, Rocco's Modern Life, where <laughs> Gilbert really, really wants to be a dentist. You know, he, he, oh, Rocco, please, I need a, you know, a subject for my dental, dental exam. I want to be a dentist so bad. And then he fails the dental exam because of a giant rampaging tooth. And, uh, Rocco's going to go to console him, and he's like, oh, don't worry, Rocco. You know, I realize that what I really want is to be a chimney sweep. And then, you know, the music starts playing in the background. He starts talking about how awesome being a chimney sweep is. And, well, boy, if that is not how Oscar flits from obsession to obsession and a very Christmassy profession for the episode that's going to go live right after Christmas. Ha. Yeah. I just thought it was appropriate for the episode. <laughs> Well, Oscar does get redirected to a totally new destiny right at the end of the hits because he and Hedgehog both get told completely out of the blue that, hey, you guys are the friends from the from the legend, from the prophecy. Sometimes I wonder if that alien is just like a little fish on the wall with a motion detector and it just says the same thing to every you know pair of friends who comes by his little bunker. It, it's super weird. I mean, the first thing is to feel suspicious of it, like it's a red herring, you know, like, of course, Oscar and Hedgehog are the friends because, you know, it can't be Susie and Ramona anymore. But it, it's, it, it appears really strangely in this episode. It has no connection to anything else that happens. They just kind of throw it in there as a thought for the next episodes. <laughs> and it's great that they take to it so merrily. Instantly coming up with their own song for being the best friends that saved the world. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that they just kind of threw it in at the end here. I thought it was nice that Barb could see them from where she was sitting. Of course, you know, if she's responsible for the sound house, of course, she has something that has a nice shot of the diamond from where she can sit. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Now, is this the first time she sleeps? No, she no. cannot sleep yet. She is preparing because she knows when the rascals wake up, she will get her ability to sleep back. She's just getting ready. Okay, right. So she is just preparing to feel like it. So she leans back, but then she just eyes open, stares at Oscar and Hedgehog. Yeah, it's just like the final episode of uh, that story arc where she goes through all the preparations knowing she can't actually sleep. Poor Barb. It's got to be rough, existing for hundreds of years without a nap. I have no idea how she stays as positive as she does. Now, for a show that is also about examining mortality, immortality, is Barb, is Barb just really old, or is she immortal with all the sleeplessness? Mm. Well, ordinarily, I would say she's just immortal, but, uh, well, as we'll discuss next episode, maybe immortality... Uh, isn't as cricket as we thought it was. So I don't know. It's tough to say. Yeah. She hasn't aged a day since she came out of uh, that little flower, so I'm assuming she's immortal. 
right? I mean, maybe she, there are, you know, gods in this universe. So maybe yeah. she's something closer to that since she appeared at the start. The bears are apparently immortal. Yeah, that's so weird. I'm going to have to reconcile why, you know, some of these characters being immortal. And if that's, if that jives <laughs> with the rest of what it says about being, I guess they're just, there are mortals and immortals, but well, yeah, I, I'm very interested to get in it for the next one because immortals like yeah. Barb, can they, it seems like Barb can be friends with King. Yeah. I don't know. That might just be a professional relationship. I I do think it would be a very fitting thing for, you know, how Summer Camp Island says time was, you know, spoiler alert for those uh, listening along as they watch the episodes. But we learned that time was created by friendship. And uh, so therefore they have such a close relationship there. And uh, it would make sense that the immortals are all kind of stuck in place. They're not really doing friendship. They're there to do a job like. Barb is there to guard the diamond in the island, so are the spotted bears. Uh, Ramona is immortal, so long as she's living in frozen time, doing her job. It would uh, it would make sense. I don't think that's what they were going for intentionally, but... Eh. Themes, man. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's it for us on The Hits. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.